I want to greet you in Jesus' name this morning. It's a pleasure to be here and to spend this time with you. It's also a great privilege to be able to share God's Word. And as we look at God's Word together, I trust that we'll be challenged in our walk with Him. I invite you to turn to Matthew chapter 8. We're going to be looking briefly at a man that Jesus talked to, and that is a centurion. And what I'd like to challenge us with was this centurion's attitude, and specifically his attitude toward authority, and him being a man of authority himself, and his attitude about that. Matthew chapter 8, I would like to start at verse 5. When Jesus was entered unto Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion beseeching him and saying, Lord, my servant lieth at home sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. And the centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou should come under my roof, but speak thy word on, the word only, my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another, Come, and he cometh. And to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled, and said unto them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in Israel. I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west, and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into the outer darkness, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way, as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the self-same hour. Just did you notice the connection to our Sunday school lesson? There in verse 12, and, and also verse 11. I've been thinking about submitting to authority. And that's the title of the message here this morning. And maybe this is an odd place to begin a subject like this here in Matthew chapter 8. But as I said, what impressed me about this centurion man is his attitude about authority. And his attitude impressed Jesus as well. And I believe when Jesus is impressed with something, we'd better pay attention because there's something here for us to learn. And not only did this Gentile man have the right attitude about how he went about his role as an authority figure, but he also had the right attitude about being under authority himself. Now, I don't know exactly how life was for this man. If he was a centurion, he had people over him. How did that work? The Romans weren't necessarily kind to Christian people and to believers. So how did he accomplish that and, and keep his faith? I don't know that. The Bible doesn't tell us. But Jesus was impressed with the attitude of this man. This man was humble. He knew that he was not one of the Jews. As far as he was not one of the, the people of God as far as his bloodline goes. We also get the hint that he did not abuse his authority. You see his genuine concern about his servant. And he went out of his way to ask a Jew for help. And he believed that Jesus' word could heal this man. So I would challenge us to consider this man's attitude about authority. In life, every one of us has some kind of authority figure in our life. It doesn't matter who we are what our situation is in life, all of us are under some kind of authority. That's the way God planned it. And I believe the sooner we learn that fact, that God planned it, the sooner we can get beyond the struggle so many of us have when it comes to submitting authority. You know, when you talk about submitting authority, there comes, a, in me at least, a little um, flesh within me wants to rise up and say, ooh, that's tough. That's hard to, to deal with. There could be a number of different approaches I mean, thinking about the subject of authority. We can look at the roles 
of authority figures, uh, government, in society. We can look at the roles of parents or employers or church leaders and so on. That would be a very good study. But I've chosen today to especially focus on how you and I respond to whatever the authority is that God has placed in my life. And I remind us that as we think about authority, let's remember that whatever authority that is over us, God has put there. He's put it there or has allowed it to be there. And so when God does something, there's a purpose. That's how it is throughout life with any issue you can think of. And it's the same in this area of submitting to authority. I know that this subject can often be a negative one. And I don't mean it to be that way. To be a positive one because when we submit to the plan of God, there's beauty, there's order, there's a working together, there's blessing. And hope that can be our emphasis this morning. Even if God has put allowed authority in our life over us that we see as bad, there's still purpose there because God is God. And God does all things well. We often don't have much choice when it comes to who my authority will be or how they carry out their authority. But you and I do have a choice on how we respond to that authority. And that's my focus here this morning. You and I have a responsibility to fulfill my role in whatever that is being under authority. This was the concern of the centurion. He knew that he was a man under authority and he wanted to respond to that authority in the right way and to, to carry out his duty as being under authority. As I've said before, this subject of submitting to authority is a touchy one for a lot of people. And I would challenge you today not to assume that Oh, the preacher's talking about so-and-so over there, or this certain situation. No, no, no. I'm talking about and challenging us with me, with you and your personal life. How do I respond to the authority that God has placed over me? I believe that Satan can bring deception into our lives in this area. His attitude of rebellion caused his own downfall way back there in history somewhere that Scripture tells us about. Satan opposed the authority of God, and his rebellion led to the greatest demotion of all time, I guess. And today, Satan tries very hard to get you and I in his camp of rebellion, if you want to call it that, to our destruction. And Satan lies this, authority is bad, especially mine, <laughs> and I have the right to do what I want to do, and the key to happiness and freedom will be found in doing my own thing, and that's a lie. We know it's a lie. Now suppose you go on your way home from church here today, and a policeman pulls you over, and you're going 65 in a 55 miles an hour zone, and... He comes to, you, to your car window and he politely asks you to see your driver's license. And suppose you would say something like this, nah, I don't think so. And he would say, uh, excuse me. And you would answer, nah, I don't want to. And you stick out your tongue at him. And the policeman says, I want you out of the car with your hands in the air. You say, nah, I'd rather stay here. And who do you think you are anyway? Listen, I pay taxes to help pay for this road. I bought this car. I put gas in the tank. I think I can go as fast as I want to on my road in my car using my gas. And in fact, Mr. Policeman, my tax money pays your salary. My tax money pays for your patrol car. My tax money bought your training, your insurance, your equipment, as well as I bought the gas in your, can in your tank. 
Why don't you leave me alone and go find a donut somewhere? And if you would do that, which I hope you wouldn't, what would be the likely response of this policeman? He would probably put his pistol in your ear and haul you off to jail. You know, some of what you would have said to that policeman has some truth to it. Your tax money has done a few things in our society. But it doesn't take into consideration the authority issue. And so whether we like it or not, God has put authority in our lives for a purpose. And I believe God is very interested in how we respond to authority. Our response to our authority reveals something about our heart. It just does. And as we think about the subject of submitting to authority, I think about Daniel of the Bible. That man served a number of heathen kings while he was far away from home. And these kings worshipped false gods. And I don't know how Daniel did all of that, being in such a prominent place in the government, uh, very high in, in, in authority. And how did he deal with all the issues that he must have faced? We don't know. And these foreign people evidently didn't believe in the God of Daniel. And yet Daniel had a lot of respect in that foreign land. Joseph in Egypt is another example. Esther, Mordecai, Nehemiah, some other examples of people who lived in difficult situations and yet were submissive to authority, even in a heathen land. Paul and Peter both wrote about this subject. Jesus gave us an example of submission to authority by his own life. Philippians 2 verse 8 and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus is our example for us to follow. In all of life, this morning we're thinking about um, submitting to authority. Jesus did that. We see in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus yielding to the authority of God. Turn briefly with me to First Peter. Chapter 2. Peter has some things to say about authority and how we respond to authority. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 to 17. There'd be more we could read here, but we'll just read verses 13 to 17. It says, Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake. Notice that. Submit for the Lord's sake. That's important whether it be to the king as supreme or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers, for the praise of them that do well. For so is the will of God, that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men, as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as the servants of God. Honor all men, love the brotherhood, fear God, honor the king. And it goes on there to talk about servants and so on. And think about the author here, or the writer of this book, this epistle, Peter. Who was his authority, government authority, in his day? Well, it was Nero, evidently. And if you know anything about Nero, he was a wicked, wicked ruler. Just brutal. Using Christians as torches to light up the night. All kinds of just brutal, brutal things. An awful leader. And yet, this is what Peter says. Honor the king. Consider today that there are many people around the world that are, have to live these verses in a way that we have never experienced. You're thinking about respecting authority. In China, North Korea, Middle East, and so on, when I think about these Christian people, maybe in prisons, uh, maybe being persecuted, tortured, having to meet in secret, all these, these kinds of things, and yet maintaining a respect for authority in a way that I'm not sure that I understand. I'm ashamed sometimes at the way I can be disrespectful 
toward the authority God has put in my life. I believe that God places a high value on authority because He is the one who created it. All authority originates from God. It may be twisted, it may be abused and and all those things, but God puts a high value on authority. Who, by the way, He is the ultimate authority in the whole universe. If you turn to the right, some little ways to the book of Romans chapter 13. Paul has some things to say about authority. Romans chapter 13, the first seven verses. Let every soul be subject unto the higher powers, for there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power, resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. For rulers are not a terror unto good works, but to the evil. Wilt thou then not be afraid of the power? Do that which is good, and thou shalt have praise of the same. For he is the minister of God to thee for good. But if thou do that which is evil, be afraid, for he beareth not the sword in vain. For he is the minister of God, a revenger to execute wrath upon him that doeth evil. Wherefore, ye must needs be subject, not only for wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For, for this cause pay ye tribute also, for they are God's ministers, attending continually upon this very thing. Render therefore to all their dues, tribute to whom tribute is due, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. For our purposes in our study here today, the issue is not whether, whether or not the authority figure is worthy of my respect or whether they're going about their job in the way God would have them to. The question is, am I submitting to the authority that God has placed in my life? And cooperating. You know, I will confess here, my human tendency is to be a rebel. Are you like me? We tend to be rebels. We don't like authority. We want to do our own thing. Those here my age and older remember the hippie movement the 1960s early 70s mostly younger people who tried to break away from society the values of society they wanted to do their own thing they interpreted life completely different than anything that had been taught and there were protests and violence even they protested against the Vietnam War and the hippies said they wanted peace. You remember the peace sign? You remember that? They wanted peace. In reality, the hippie movement was an era of rebellion. It didn't, wasn't very peaceful. For example, 1967 was called in San Francisco, it was called the Summer of Love. 100,000 hippies went through San Francisco that summer. And the attitude was, no one can tell me what to do, rebel against authority, do your own thing, drop out of society. Drugs became the glue that held it all together temporarily. LSD and heroin and all those things. And the result in San Francisco was many, many, many homeless people People became drug dealers just so they had, could get food to eat. Malnourishment was a problem. Disease and drug addiction and crime and violence became problems. These were the people who wanted peace. Did they find peace? No, they did not. We tend to be rebels. That's ingrained in us. Because we're naturally proud, we're naturally selfish, we want to do our own thing. There are many people listed in Scripture who were rebels. The children of Israel were rebels at times. Adam and Eve, at least on one occasion, rebelled. Samson, Dathan and Abiram, Absalom, and so on. All of these people were rebels. 
As you think about those people who chose that lifestyle, how many of these people ended up in a good place? And the answer is none of them. None of them. Unless they repented of their rebellion, they all ended up in a bad place. And the question I have for us today is how can I expect to end up any different than any of them if I have that same unrepented attitude of rebellion? Think about that. Sure, we can say, well, my situation's different. And I guess it is. But my situation's different. I'm in the right, the authority figure's in the wrong. Well, that might be true, but listen to me, dear people. God is much more interested in my attitude toward authority than He is interested in correcting what I see as bad authority. You think about that. God is interested in your attitude, my attitude, authority a lot probably more interested in that than he is in making my life perfect the way I would like it to be as far as having the perfect authority figure in my life now I realize that there is a time to stand up for what's right I realize that there is a time to challenge my authority in love and respect, of course, to what is right. But so very often, at least in my own life, unless I'm very careful, unless I'm clearly spirit-led, in reality, the rebel within me comes out in these situations. And I'm not being respectful toward authority. And I want what I want. God will right those wrongs. He doesn't need help from my rebellious heart to do that. And without submission to Christ, I'm a rebel. And that's a fact. Can I be a sanctified rebel? (laughs) That's a contradiction of terms. It's not possible. That's serving two masters. No, we can't be a sanctified rebel. We can be a rebel that has been sanctified, no longer a rebel, but we can't be a sanctified rebel. As we think about this subject of submitting to authority, we tend to love ditches. We tend to go to extremes. We can either lust for a place of power and authority and enjoy that, and we get, when we get to that position, we tend to abuse it. That's a ditch that we need to stay out of. We want the privileges without the responsibility and accountability that comes with authority. The opposite ditch would be when my time and my energy, my focus, and my life purpose becomes to, comes to the place of rebellion against authority. We resent that authority. We tell others about the, all the injustices, and this rebellion becomes the center of my life. God wants me happy, Right? So, it must be God's will for me to correct this situation. The end justifies the means. And does that line up with Scripture? And we all know what the answer to that is. But, my situation's different. Maybe so, but I doubt it. At least that's the way it is in my life. Maybe some of the details are different. But this rebellion has been a human tendency throughout history. That was man's problem in Noah's day. It was man's problem when he was building the tower of Babel. Rebellion was a problem that the children of Israel had many, many times. In my own life here today, my attitude is the core issue here. The prophet Samuel told King Saul that rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. And I've had to wonder about that. Is it really? I find it interesting that Samuel pointed that out to Saul, the man who had gotten rid of all the witches and all that stuff when he became king. Rebellion must have been in his heart because Samuel pointed that out. I would just challenge us here to be really honest about this whole question about rebellion that rises up within us. You know, Jesus never ever participated in any kind of rebellion. Not once. 
It is true that Jesus cleansed the temple. It's true that Jesus really challenged the, the religious leaders of his day with their hypocrisy and their empty religion and so on. But Jesus never led a campaign of rebellion. And I had to wonder, it seemed like to me that if Jesus would have led a campaign of rebellion, he would have had an instant following. I mean, you think of all the things that line up here. Jesus uh, had power. He could do miracles. And he had a lot of followers because of that. But there was also the fact of there were, the leaders were corrupt. There was an oppressive Roman rule. The Jews were looking for their promised Messiah. These are a lot of things that are in place here. If Jesus would have chose to lead a, a campaign of rebellion. And I had to wonder if this very issue right here is one of the things that Satan tempted Jesus with there in, in the wilderness. You know what, Jesus? You can lead, uh, be a leader here. You can have a, a following. Jesus seen through all of that. The disciples misunderstood Jesus' purpose and what his kingdom was going to be like. So, just logic would tell me that Jesus could have had an instant following if he would have chose to have a campaign of rebellion. But Jesus never led that campaign of rebellion. In fact, Jesus said that his servants do not fight. Jesus said to give unto Caesar what belongs to him, implying that Caesar has some rights to authority and respect and cooperation. Caesar had the right to the tax money. And you know that tax money in the Roman setting would have been used for military purposes. That's what the Romans are all about. We also know that the Romans spent a lot of money on entertainment. The Colosseum, the, the gladiators, all the, all the um, amphitheaters and so on that they built. And yet Jesus said to give to Caesar what, belong, to Caesar what belongs to him. So what does that mean for us today? If Jesus wanted no part in an earthly rebellion in his day, how can we ignore his example and rebel against the authority God has put in our lives today? Well, why do you think we have an anti-authority attitude in our society? Was this attitude involved in the building, founding of our nation? I wonder about that. And I say that with all due respect. But I wonder about that. We see this anti-authority attitude around us today. And why is that? Well, like I said, rebellion is part of our sinful nature. Discipline and order and respect are not being taught in our schools and in our homes, in society. Humanism promotes the idol of personal freedoms. The media of today promotes the anti-authority attitude. Rebellion is made to look glamorous and noble. The rebel is idolized. The rebel attitude is seen in the movies, in the music, in the clothing, and, and so on. The rebel attitude sells. So how can you and I deal with this attitude of rebellion that is so much a part of our society? I suppose that all of us, somewhere back there in our youth, thought something like this, you know, someday I'm going to grow up and then I'm going to do what I want to do. Mom and Dad, nobody else can tell me what, I do, what I'm going to do. But you know, the fact is we never outgrow our need for authority. It may change somewhat. The details may change. But we all need authority. God planned it that way. God's authority brings order to society and protection from our lives. Now, we may argue that point as we, think, as we see our society falling apart. But it, would you ever think about what society would be like if there was no authority? It'd be chaotic. Every man doing as he thought best. So God ordained authority. Good authority brings order to society and protection for, to our lives. So 
when I am struggling with living under someone's shadow, if you know what I'm, understand what I'm saying, I need to remember that I may be living under their shade rather than living under their shadow. And the difference is my attitude toward that authority. There is a protection there in God's order that is good for us. You know, being a leader is hard. It just is. God gives grace for whatever He calls you and I to and will never leave us alone in that calling. But being a leader is difficult. Someone has said the problem with being a leader is you're not sure if the people are following you or chasing you. There is a difference there. Being a leader is hard. It's a big responsibility. We're going to have to give an account to God for our leadership. Almost all of us here today are a leader in some way or another to somebody. God has ordained that there be authority in the home, authority in the church. God has set up governments and laws of the land. There's authority on the job. There's a policeman, there's the judge, the county officials, and, and yes, there's politicians, and I don't need to remind you of that. Maybe you're tired of politicians, and as disgusted as we may be right now, the fact is that God is in control of these things. And he has a purpose in what he allows. Yes, the slick politician may get away with lies and deception for now, but there will be a day of reckoning. You know what my attitude too often is toward politics? And I quote from Psalm 109, verse 8. Let his days be few and let another take his office. I've seen you write that verse down. Psalm 109, verse 8. Actually, that's in the context of, of the writer's enemies. There in Psalm 109. But we can get upset about all this stuff that's happening in our nation. But let's not forget the king's still on the throne. In spite of all the empty brag talk of today's politicians and all the, the things that are going on, the king reigns. So what is my attitude toward authority? What about Romans 13 verse 2 that says, Whosoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. Does God mean what he says? What is rebellion? Rebellion is simply the unwillingness to be ruled by another other than self. Remember that Satan before he fell was, he was under the perfect authority figure God himself and yet he rebelled and Satan wants you and I to be rebellious too and the point I'd like to make here is that God is fully able to accomplish his will whatever the earthly authority structure may be whether it's good or bad God did it with Pharaoh God did it with King Ahab God did it with Nero God did it with King Nebuchadnezzar God did it with King Herod, there in the New Testament. God will always be in control. And He will always be the ultimate in authority. Now, I don't know why God allows evil leadership to reign. Like Hitler or some other, Saddam Hussein, whoever, uh, ungodly leader. But God is in control. So, as I think about you and I being under authority... There's always the question, what about bad authority that may be in my life? What if their leadership is unfair and selfish? What if they don't care about the people that they are over and they use their authority and power in selfish ways? What if the speed limit and the building code and the building inspector, they're just stupid? What if the taxes are unfair and the permits that are required are ridiculous and what OSHA demands makes no sense at all? And what if zoning 
laws mean I cannot do what I would like to with my property. What about those things? Maybe a church leader makes a decision that I disagree with. What if the boss at work requires something of me that I disagree with, that I don't think is fair? What if dad says, no, you can't go to that concert that all your cool friends are going to? What about these things? I tend to justify at least a weensy bit of rebellion because it's so unfair, so stupid, so pointless. And if I'm really honest, maybe there's more an attitude of rebellion there than I would like to admit. Now, I must mention here that it is very possible that whatever authority is in our lives, they can be wrong, they can be unfair, they can be selfish, they can even be cruel. And they might be the type of person who enjoys being the one in power. And they enjoy the authority to tell other people what to do. And Scripture is clear about how parents, and especially fathers, are to lead. Scripture instructs church leaders to be servants and shepherds and not to be dictators or lords. Scripture even gives instructions on how to be a good boss at work. And we could spend a lot of time... uh, on the subject about what it is, what does it mean to be a good leader. And that's not the subject today. But I did want to mention that a bad leader, whatever place of authority that that person may be in, can make it very hard to submit and to be supportive of. And to have the right attitude toward them. So what about the parent, the church leader, the boss, the government official who abuses their power and hurts people? Does Acts 5.29 ever apply to our situations? And what does Acts 5.29 says? That's where Peter says to those people in authority, we must obey God rather than man. Does that ever apply to our situation? When the authority figure requires something of me that goes directly against the commands of God, that can be a difficult situation. All leadership will give an account to God for how they have led and what effect that they have had on those they have been responsible for. And I would challenge every leader here today to take your role as a leader seriously. God is watching you. People are being affected by your leadership. Be very careful about your altitude. And I hope you understand what I mean. Leading from way up here somewhere your altitude. But today our subject is on how you and I respond to authority over us. What is my attitude? What was David's attitude toward King Saul, who was a bad authority figure? King Saul chasing him around the country, wasting the the country's money and and resources, trying to get this, this man who was not causing any problems in the kingdom. It was unfair, it was cruel, it was abuse, it was directly against the will of God. What was David's attitude toward King Saul? First Samuel chapter 24, read it sometime. David would not harm the Lord's anointing. He even felt guilty and bad that he went and cut a, a piece of uh, Saul's robe off. He said he shouldn't have done that. He was so respectful of King Saul. Somehow David knew that God would take care of this authority problem in his life. Even though David knew that he had been anointed as Saul's replacement. And today, God doesn't need my pride. He doesn't need my rebellion. He doesn't need my superior attitude to get His will done. So the Bible is clear. We are to respect and submit, if all possible, to our authorities. And yes, I think there is a place to challenge authority. Let me tell you about a situation in my life many years ago. It's in another state, actually. A teenage girl came to me for some advice. She was being convicted that she ought to put on a veiling. She felt the Bible taught that. And I appreciated her, her sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. And her question was, she says, Dad says it's not necessary. And in fact, he forbids mom and us girls to put on a veiling. Now what should I do? 
I don't know how you'd answer that. We are to obey God rather than men, right? And yet, by rebelling against her father, it would violate the principle that the veiling is to illustrate, if that makes sense. The, the place of submission and so on. So I don't know how you would answer that. As I recall, I advised her to make a respectful appeal to her dad. I think there's a place for that. And this is my next point, actually. Before and instead of being rude and defiant and rebellious, there is a place to make a respectful appeal. In fact, this is what Daniel did in the first chapter of Daniel. Read it sometime. Faced with the king's meat. He wasn't defiant. He wasn't disrespectful. He did not make a big scene. He simply made a respectful request. Yes, we must obey God rather than man. But and we can't compromise truth. But there is a respectful way to make an appeal. There is even a way to disagree respectfully. Paul uh, challenged Peter one time. Galatians chapter 2, we won't take time to look at that. But Paul was careful, I think, in how he challenged Peter. Peter had made a mistake. But Paul came to Peter not in a, like in a personal slam. It was not a contest of who had the most authority. It was not tearing down someone else so I can step up. It was not a pride and ego clash. Rather, Paul's approach was firm but respectful. And he wanted to get to what is the bottom line truth here in the situation. So, in our situation today, let's suppose that the authority is in the wrong. I'd like to give some brief suggestions here this morning. Dealing with an authority in which we're not in agreement with. Let's say that they're in the wrong. And I'm not an authority on the subject, okay? But, and I've made mistakes in this area of life. And I'm sure there's a lot more that could be said. Here's some things I think that Scripture would support in dealing with an authority that's in the wrong, or at least as, I, as we see it. First of all, have I prayed? 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 and 2. Have I prayed? Another pointer is ask God to search and know my heart. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Is there any trace in rebel of rebellion and pride and selfishness within me? Another point would be to check my motives. Remember David's motives when he was fleeing King Saul. And what is the motive behind why I disagree with my authority? Check my heart motives, I think is important. Check my attitudes. As I said, even when there's bad authority, there's a right way to respond and there's a wrong way to respond. What is my attitude? Be very careful of the damage of disrespect. It's easy to talk behind the, the back of the authority figure that we disagree with. I tend to focus on what is wrong. And this gives my argument some validity, as well as camouflages my own bad attitudes and heart issues. To question the leader's integrity, to, to suggest the leader's bad, to slander, to mock, these are things that we're tempted with. And Satan loves to, to drive wedges between people. We can even encourage rebellion in others even though we may not be open about it ourselves. We can enjoy the drama of another's rebellion and secretly, or not so secretly, support in what they're doing and, and cheer them on. Let's be careful about the damage of disrespect. Another point would be my uh, selfish and prideful personal cause may be more important to us than ha to me than having peace among us. Proverbs says that God hates when someone, someone sows discord among brothers. And I hope we understand that God hates it 
Peter wrote about them that are not afraid to, to speak evil of dignities. And as I said, there is a time for us to be honest, to even co to confront an authority figure. But let's never use disrespect as our approach. Another important thing here is to establish a history of support. Establish a history of support. When we have established a history of support with an authority figure, then there, there is a foundation to work from. On the other hand, if there's a history of disagreements and clashes, we may not be able to reach beyond that clash. So establish a history of support as best as, that we can. Another point is that we need to give God time to change hearts. All of us would have to admit that God has given us time to grow and learn. Why is it so hard for me to give that benefit to others? I tend to be impatient. This person's in the wrong. They need to change and they need to change now. And I think about the amazing patience that Jesus had with his disciples who are fighting over who's going to be the greatest. That's the kind of patience that I need in my heart for others who maybe are not what they ought to be. Which brings me to my next point. Let's remember that I have not arrived at perfection yet either. I have a lot of room to grow. I have a lot of blind spots. God wants to teach me many things. And in fact, God may very well be using this struggle with my authority figure that, we're ha that I'm having to teach me something. We are not always right. We don't know everything. We don't see all the issues that maybe my authority figure may be struggling with. We don't know the other side of the stories. So I guess in what I'm saying in regards to dealing with authority figures that we disagree with, the attitude needs to be humility. Humility. Another point would be to be faithful in my role that God has called me to. It doesn't help to be loud with our criticism in our, for the authority in my life if I have not been faithful what God has called me to. So, why submit to authority? And I ask that as a question. Why should we do that? First of all, because God says so. It honors God to do that. Secondly, because of the purpose God has in mind for this authority figure that's in my life. Why I submit to authority? Because life is not about seeing if my authority figure is worthy of my submission or not. It's about doing God's will. It's about a relationship with Him. It's about finding my place in life and being faithful in it. And unless my authority figure requires something of me that's against God's direct commands, I believe that God wants us to choose to submit because it's the right thing to do and not waiting to submit until the authority figure deserves it. So why submit to authority? Because of the example of Christ. Life was so unfair for Jesus, especially the last few days of his life, and yet we never see a rebellious attitude in his heart. Why submit to authority? Because God will someday make all wrongs right, and he doesn't need my fleshly help to do so. Why submit to authority? Because my rebellion ultimately is against God himself. Because my testimony is at stake. People watching our lives. Is this Christian for real or not? Does his faith affect his daily life and attitudes? Or is he just another one of those Christians who pretend they're righteous, but in reality they have the same attitudes as everyone else? You know, the attitude of submission is so rare in our world that it's a bright light in this world of rebellion. Why submit to authority? Because Satan loves for us to duplicate his sin in rebelling against God. Why submit to authority? Is because God is more interested in how we behave under bad leadership than he is in how we behave under good leadership. That's just my personal opinion. But I think it's true. 
God is interested in how you and I behave under bad leadership. Why submit to authority? Because in God's kingdom, unfruitful trees, or the bad authority, can change and become fruitful trees with the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. That's what happens in every believer's life when Jesus takes control. Christ died for the authority figure. That's a soul of incredible value. It's hard for me to remember that when I'm so irritated at the ball, so whatever the case may be. But Christ can change that person's life. Let's remember that. Why submit to authority? Because my human way of thinking is so very short-sighted. We don't know all things, as I've mentioned before. What seems terribly unfair to us may actually be accomplishing God's purpose. Obviously, God has allowed the situation. Therefore, there must be a purpose. And finally, why submit to authority is because probably I'm not as innocent of wrong attitudes and pride as I think I am. And I say this with with some hesitation because I don't want to come across as saying it's all your fault if you struggle with authority. But at least it could be that God is using this problem in life to point out an attitude or an area in my life that needs growth, that needs to change. You know, I can be so inconsistent. I can be very respectful of those who are my authority. And yet, I want to be respected for those that I'm responsible for. I can be so inconsistent. Well, I need to close. I realize I've just kind of scratched around on this important subject on the surface. It's not a very popular subject. It's a subject that's awkward for this church leader to speak about especially in my home congregation with being a leader. But God and the Bible is clear. The teachings of Christ is clear. The writings of the apostles are clear. We're all under authority, no matter who we are. God is the ultimate authority and has delegated that authority as He sees fit. And you and I had before us the choice in how we will respond to that authority. We have those, all of us have those around us watching and learning from our example. And the world notices our attitudes as well. And Satan is watching and looking for an opportunity to slip in a little rebellion so the salt will lose its savor. And most importantly, God is watching. How will you and I respond to the authority that God has placed in my life and allowed in my life? I leave that challenge with you today. So, obey God rather than man. Let's be clear here. But there is a respectful way, a God-honoring way to do it. Let's have a closing song.